Greetings this morning, in Jesus' name. I think I might just open with a word of prayer before we get started here. Let's, uh, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your many blessings. Thank you for your goodness to each one of us. Thank you, for, thank you that you are in control. Um, we can trust you for that. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us your spirit, that we can walk in your will for us. Just pray, Father, that you would use this message here that you've given me to just work in my own heart and the hearts of the, those that will be listening. And just pray, Father, for your blessing on, on this word. Just pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, I would like to talk about being filled with the Spirit. Um, I forget, I think it was a week or maybe two weeks ago, I was reading a Bible story to my boys. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I was reading a Bible stu- story to my boys, and something in that story uh, stuck out to me. And... I'd like to start by turning to Exodus chapter 31. So this is after the uh, Israelites have been led out of Egypt, um, after Moses was given the instructions for the tabernacle. Beginning of chapter 31. <coughs> Excuse me. Beginning of chapter 31, the Lord is speaking with Moses and he says in verse 2, See, I have called by my name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the Spirit of God, in wisdom and in understanding, and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship, to devise cunning works, <clears throat> to devise cunning works, to work gold and silver and in brass, and in cutting of stones, to set them in carving of timber, to work in all manner of workmanship. And it goes on, he gave another man to work with him. And I just found that very interesting, uh, just thinking about God saying to Moses, I'm going to put my spirit into this man, Bezalel. And so I've been thinking a little bit about that, uh, having the spirit of God in us, uh, being filled with the spirit. And it's it actually makes that... Um, makes that statement, I think, twice more about Bezalel, that the Spirit of God was in him to do the work that God had called him to. And we'll find throughout the Bible, which I have a number of other uh, references here, throughout the Bible, we see that in different places. Um, Numbers, chapter 11. Um... God again is talking to Moses, and he tells Moses here in chapter 11, uh, verse 17, I will come down and talk with thee there, and I will take of the Spirit which is upon thee, and will put it upon them, and they shall bear the burden of the people with thee. He's talking here about the 70 elders that were appointed to judge, or to help Moses uh, in judging Israel. And 
So I will take of the Spirit which is upon thee. I think we'd all recognize that that Spirit was the Spirit of God on Moses, um, allowing him to, to do the things he did there and leading Israel out of Egypt and the many uh, miracles and the signs that were given to Egypt and to the Israelites by God through through Moses. Um, a couple chapters later, we have Caleb, chapter 14, 24, verse 24. But my servant Caleb Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereunto he went, and his seed shall possess it. And we remember the story of Caleb, Joshua and Caleb very well, how um, the twelve spies went in to spy out the land of Canaan, and ten came back with reports that the food or the yeah, the food and things were good, but those people um, they feared the people. I believe it was uh, sons of Anak, I think it was, were considered to be giants. And they feared them. And I believe if I have my uh, locations of things right and correctly remember the story, the land that Caleb got was taken from the children of Anak because Caleb did not fear them as the others did. So... And that is, I think, because of how it says here in verse 24 that he had another spirit in him. He had the spirit of God, whereas the other ten uh, apparently did not, simply by the fact that they feared. Um, Judges chapter 6, we have Gideon. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Um, just again, interesting how often as you go through some of these men that we know, you know, their stories very well. Usually somewhere in the middle it says, but the Spirit of the Lord, or the Spirit of God, or he had another spirit. Another interesting one is Saul. He had the Spirit of God, but he also lost the Spirit of God. It says uh, in First Samuel that, the spirit departed from him. And that's when we see David being anointed as king. Another person. Or being uh, anointed by Samuel to be the next king, I should say. And uh, David would be another one who we can see the spirit of God in. Daniel. Uh, turn to Daniel and read a couple verses there. Chapter 4, uh, verse 9. But at last Daniel came in before me, whose name was Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God, and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And before him I told the dream. This one's interesting because um, we see 
not God recognizing that the Spirit of God is in Daniel, but the king, a man, recognizing that there is another spirit in in uh, in Daniel. Uh, later in the chapter, I believe it, he says it again. This dream, I, this dream, I, King Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now thou, O Belteshazzar, declare the interpretation thereof. For as much as all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known unto me the interpretation, but thou art able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in thee. As we move into the New Testament, we see uh, in Acts, we have the Pente- uh, Pentecost. Um, God's spirit being poured out on the disciples. Obviously, I skipped over the Gospels, but we know that the Spirit of God was in Christ as well. Um, I'm going to turn yet to Acts chapter 6. Verse 5. And the same pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Procurius, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. Um, Point being there, Stephen, full of the Holy Ghost. And again, we know Stephen's story well. Um, he was stoned for his faith in Christ. Um, should turn to that. Um, thought I had the reference here. I guess I don't. But I think if I remember the verse correctly, he stood looking steadfastly into heaven. And I think it says that... Um, his face shone, I believe. That was Stephen. But again, we see that the Spirit of God was upon Stephen. And think about the many things that, wonderful things, amazing things that these men did um, in the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of God's Spirit. And think about that a little bit today. Um, think about it for myself and for others. What could be accomplished for God today if more people were um, willing to always be led by the Spirit, if we were, if we always walked in the Spirit. So as I go on through the message here, uh, many of these thoughts are just things that I was thinking um, for myself, you know, wondering a little bit, uh, recognizing that I probably am not always walking in the Spirit as I wish that I could, and I guess it was the study here was just kind of an encouragement to myself that we can and we do have the ability to walk in the Spirit. Um, I want to read a couple, a couple lines here from um, Dwight L. Moody's diary. He wrote one time of an exchange he had with 
Henry Varley. Dwight L. Moody was an American evangelist, and Henry Varley was, would have been a contemporary of his, a British evangelist. And they had been together at a prayer meeting somewhere in, in England, I believe. And uh, afterwards they were walking, and this account then uh, D.L. Moody wrote in one of his diaries, and he said of their exchange, Varley said, The world has yet to see what God can do with and through a man who is fully and wholly consecrated to him. Moody's diary goes on later to give his thoughts of this conversation. He says, a man. Varley meant any man. Varley didn't say it had to be an educated man or a brilliant man or anything else. Just a man. And then he says, by the Spirit... By the Holy Spirit in me, I will be that man. He's saying by the Holy Spirit in him, he wants to be led by the Spirit to be able to make a difference in the world around him. And uh, Moody wrote later again, recognizing while sitting under uh, Spurgeon's preaching, he recognized this isn't Spurgeon that is, uh, it's not because he's a good speaker, it's not because he's um, anything special, but it's because God, he was allowing God to speak through him. And that was having an effect in Moody's life, change, changing things about Moody. And if God could use Spurgeon to do that, he could use Moody also. I just thought that was interesting uh, just to think about. It doesn't take anything special. I guess maybe being filled with the Spirit is special anymore. Um, but that's not something we can do in and of ourselves. So what does being filled with the Spirit really look like? I know that uh, many of us, it's probably easier to articulate what being, what not being filled with the Spirit looks like. We can see that around us all the time. Um, we can also, many of us, see through the chaos created around falsely claiming to be filled with the Spirit and the, uh, yeah, the chaos that, is, um, that, it, that involves. But it's a little more difficult to look at something or someone and to say that person is filled with the Spirit because of or um, that person is filled with the Spirit evidenced by this thing in his life. But it's interesting that in, in Ephesians, we are given exactly the um, prerequ prerequisites, maybe. Not sure what to call them exactly, but we're given the, uh, the formula, if you will, for being filled with the Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 5, Start in verse 18. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Interesting thing to note is from the beginning of verse 18 through the end of 22, 
is one long sentence. And I believe very connected. If you, uh, if you kind of look at it from a uh, topic standpoint, those four verses fit together very well. Um, and they fit less with the ones prior or after. Um, in a little literal translation of where it says uh, in verse 18, but be filled with the Spirit. Um, one commentator said it's like be being kept filled. It's kind of a mouthful to say, but um, you know, if we think about if we think about the word uh, filled, um, you might fill up a glass of water, or you might fill up something. Um, you could fill, I don't know, a hole in your yard, or or uh, there's lots of things you could fill in or fill up. One thing I thought of was when we go to the gas station, we put the the uh, gas pump nozzle into the tank and we fill it up. We stand there, sometimes patiently, sometimes impatiently, waiting for the uh, gas pump to fill up our tank. And when it's full, it shuts off. We hang it back up and we go driving for uh, usually a few hundred miles before we need to fill up again. And we do the same thing over. We go back and we uh, wait while we fill up, and then we go on our way again. And I don't really think that the idea given by the word filled here, especially if you look at um, into the Greek definition or the Greek word and its definition used here for the word filled, the idea of occasionally stopping by and topping off our tank, if you will, with the Spirit is not at all what what God had in mind um, when he was instructing Paul to write Ephesians here. But um, you, might, you might think of it more like a water tower, I think. Um, we live here in town, and our water comes from the city water tower. And the purpose of the water tower, my understanding is, is that the, um, the water is continually being pumped into the water tower. And it is there always for when it's needed. So as people use water in the city, it goes down, but it's continually being filled. And it's never going to get to a place where it's run out or empty short of some sort of catastrophe, um, our, the water coming into our house isn't pumped directly to our house from wherever the, uh, the well is or, or the supply to the water tower. The purpose of using the water tower is to make sure that there is always an abundance of water and that there is not... Um, so coming into summer here, you think of you know, people watering their lawns and just generally being hot out, people drinking more water, we are not going to, again, short of a catastrophe, we are not going to run out of water because the supply is there for that purpose, for times when it is needed uh, more than other times. 
So I think that, hopefully that gives us a little better picture of what filled is. Um, another, another definition or uh, explanation of the word filled, it, it gives the idea of total control um, or maybe permeated. Um, think of, I didn't write this reference down, but I was, when I was studying, I ran across a verse where um, the lady brought in an ointment, and I believe it said that the aroma or the smell of it filled the house. Um, it permeated the entire space. Um, and so many times through Jesus' ministry, you, he ran into people, and the word filled is often used. And a couple examples of that, um, some were filled with fear, some were filled with rage in the case of the Pharisees, and others were filled with sorrow. I think it was the disciples that it said they were filled with sorrow when he talked about uh, leaving them. But in the case of the Pharisees, being filled with, rain, uh, with rage, um, you can see from the stories in the Gospels how the rage controlled them, they uh, they were filled with rage. They couldn't they couldn't think of anything else. They had to figure out a way to plot to to kill Jesus. Um, they were being driven by that rage. So if you think about it, being filled with the Spirit, we're supposed to be fully under the control of the Spirit in our lives, the Holy Spirit. Um, there are many spirits in this world, uh, and but there is only one spirit, um, if I can say it that way. Not in a sense that God's spirit can only be in one of us, but there is a spirit that is God's spirit or the Holy Spirit that is different from the spirit of this world or the many spirits in this world that are obviously... In, uh, in many cases, yeah, in many cases, obviously not holy. Um, so in Ephesians here, it's interesting that we're commanded to be filled with the Spirit. And this topic is probably one that we many times shy away from a little bit, just because it's hard to explain um, things like Pentecost and, you know, why doesn't that happen today and... Uh, people speaking in tongues and so on and so forth. But there are three very clear things that ought to be found in someone who is filled with the Spirit. And we find them in Ephesians 5 here, right following the command to be filled. So in verse 19, it says that we should be building each other up with songs of praise uh, in my own words, verse 19 says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Um, singing is kind of an interesting one as I was thinking about it. Singing praises to God. Talks in Revelation about um, about having a new song to sing. And I think, uh, I think it would be safe to say that as Christians... Um, 
when we're born again, we should be singing a new song already, not singing the songs of the world. Um, yeah, in the songs of the world, there is a different spirit in them. An example of that, uh, we should be singing songs that are giving praise to the Creator. But many times you'll find uh, in the world the songs are praising the creation more than the Creator. And I don't necessarily just mean uh, literal singing of songs, but um, if you, you can kind of use that phrase, um, he was singing his song, or in other words, he was... Uh, oh, maybe spouting off his usual line about something. Anyway, if we think about it in that sense, we should not be uh, singing the song of the world. We should not be um, promoting the things of the world, but we should be bringing praise to the Creator. We should be encouraging each other by these songs, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns, making melody in your heart to the Lord. Um, the next verse, verse 20, we have the second command, and that is to give thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I have a short thing from a commentary I'd like to read here. He says, the expression of gratitude is therefore a most blessed response to favors, to favors observed. I'm sorry, let me try again. The expression of gratitude is therefore a most blessed response to favors undeserved. While it lasts, while gratitude lasts, worries tend to disappear, complaints vanish, courage to face the future is increased, peace is experienced, and God is glorified. Uh, by being thankful in all things and at all times. Sorry, being thankful in all things and at all times requires something beyond what we are able to do of ourselves. It is very hard to look at um, difficult circumstances we may be facing or others may be facing and think of a way you know, of our own uh, ability or in our own mind to think of a way that we can be thankful for that. That's where being filled with the Spirit comes in. If we are filled with the Spirit, we are it's like we're able to have a deeper level of trust in God's uh, sovereign plan to where we can say, you know, I, I don't understand why this is happening, but thank God that, um, as in James, the trial of your faith worketh patience. So God apparently, through this difficult thing, whatever that may be that uh, you're facing, and we face many difficult things, um, to be able to say, I don't know why, but God apparently has something good for me in this, that, that attitude is an indication of being filled with the Spirit. Being thankful in all things 
and at all times. Okay, and the third one here, um, verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. This is, again, kind of an interesting one to think about. Um, Submission is um, short of being filled with the Spirit is not generally an easy thing to do. Um, It might be easy to go along with the direction or instruction somebody's giving as long as it doesn't conflict with your own ideas. I'm not really sure if that's considered submission, at least not to its fullest extent. But as soon as the the uh, person in authority's ideas differ with yours, um, that is when we can see the Spirit of God in a person and their ability to submit. But it's interesting here, it's not necessarily being submitted to someone in authority, that makes a lot of sense. This is being submitted to other believers. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Um, Got another little story I'd like to read here. Uh, This is a picture of of soldiers in a regiment, soldiers in a line under an officer. The characteristic of a man in that position is this, that he is in a sense no longer an individual. He is now a member of a regiment, and all of them together are listening to the commands and the instructions which the officer is issuing to them. When a man joins the army, he is, as it were, signing away his right to determine his own life and activity. That is an essential part of this contract. When he joins the army or air force or navy or whatever it is, he no longer governs and controls himself. He has to do what he is told. He cannot go on a holiday when he likes. He cannot get up at the hour in the morning when he likes. He is a man under authority, and the rules dictate to him. And if he begins to act on his own and independently of others, he is guilty of insubordination and will be punished accordingly. Such is the word the apostle uses. So what is he saying? So what he is saying amounts to this, that we who are filled with the Spirit are to behave voluntarily in that way with respect to one another. We are members of the same regiment. We are units in this same great army. We are to do that voluntarily which the soldier is forced to do. Um, Another uh, definition or explanation I read of that submitting yourselves one to another. It was actually in the Amplified. It talked about out of respect. Um, Yeah, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Um, And it talked about doing it out of respect for Christ. I think is how it said that. Um, Instead of in the fear of God, out of respect for Christ and the other believers, submitting yourselves one to another. Again, this is... That is another thing that is not something that is easy to do um, without being filled with the Spirit. It's very difficult to put on um, in our own human ability to put on submission one to another. Um, 
kind of in closing here, thinking a little bit about in Galatians 2, uh, surrender to the control of the Spirit in our lives will produce fruit. These three things I think are that we just that I just mentioned here in Ephesians are indications of someone being uh, filled with the Spirit if we see these in someone. But another thing is we have the fruits of the Spirit in, in Galatians. Um, and again, as a man gives, a man or a woman gives his or her life to Christ and allows God's Spirit to work in and through them, we'll see these fruits. Um, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, um, and faithfulness, meekness, temperance. I think I mixed my versions together there. Um, we see those fruits coming out of a out of the life of someone who is filled with the Spirit. We have many examples through through the Bible, like I mentioned there at the beginning. That was only a short list of many of the uh, many of the names that came up when I when I did a search in my Bible app for. I think, I think it was filled with the Spirit that I searched and a whole list of verses came up. And that was only a few of them that I mentioned. We can see many examples of them throughout the Bible. And we see, occasionally we see some throughout history. Uh, a couple come to my mind, people being filled with the Spirit. Um, I think of uh, George Mueller and Hudson Taylor, both two men that I have read a lot about and would be very would be considered to be filled with the Spirit, um, but God wants people today, right now. What He wants for those people to do, I don't know. What He wants me to do, God has a work for each one of us, as we see with the first man there, Bezalel. God had called him to be in charge of building the tabernacle, building God's place of worship. And it required that he be filled with the Spirit to do that. So I guess in closing, this my final thoughts there is that God has a work for each one of us. Um, it will be it will require being be being kept filled with the Spirit. Um, so hopefully that can be an encouragement to each one of us. May God bless. <coughs>